Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Hi there, I'm Monique and welcome to the show today. If you are a new listener to Leading with Intention, this show offers tools, tips, and strategies to help you lead better in the workplace. There are numerous challenges that keep leaders from leading well, and there are challenges to even becoming a leader in the first place. So my goal is to remove some of those challenges with guests who can offer direction and advice. I'm here today with Dr. Clarence Perkins, and we'll be talking about executive functions. Dr. Perkins is an executive function ADHD coach. He was previously an educator and administrator in the school system. He works with students, professionals, and individuals, helping them gain control of their lives. His clients develop an awareness of how their brain works, employ strategies unique to their brain, and reinforce them so they become habits. Clarence, welcome to the show today. Monique, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm really glad you could be here today. I'm very excited to delve into this topic with you. Let's start by what is meant by the term executive function? That's a great question. And I I like to tell a little bit of history here because I think it'll help people sort of conceptualize the reality of this. Can sometimes people can be confused between moral behavior versus executive functions, you know, choices you make versus brain-based um, capacities. So the, the story starts with a gentleman named Phineas P. Gage in the early 19th century, and he was a railroad foreman. And as you know, in order to cut through canyons or rock, um, rail, railroad companies would drill a hole into the rock, stuff it with dynamite, and blow it up. So Phineas P. Gage uh, was engaged in in that activity. So he was using an iron rod to tap the dynamite into a hole. The dynamite went off. The metal rod entered the lower part of his chin through his eye socket, the front part of his brain, and landed about 80 feet away. He survived. And again, this is the early 19th century. So here's a gentleman who was a foreman responsible for handling dynamite, a team of employees underneath him, teetotaler, upstanding member of his community and company. After the accident, he be, he drank to excess. He was an, as I would say, honorary person to be around, right? Um he would swear he would be late for things he would not he was not the same person and so his doctor and other doctors were fascinated by this because we had insight into the seat of the human personality what made a person who they are and they discovered that the damage to the prefrontal cortex the place right behind the forehead was that home to the connections in the brain that enabled people to function, especially function in certain ways. So this place and these functions started to be called the executive functions because they were some of the main executors of our lives. So when we look at executive functions, I like to use a definition that they are cognitive capacities that enable us to be purposeful and self-directed. So obviously cognitive capacities, meaning that um, they are networks, neural networks that connect various parts of our brains, uh, the limbic system, movement systems, hearing systems, and the like, and they come together to kind of be the executive. Um, Executive functions are developmental, meaning that we don't ask a five-year-old to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Why? Because... They might make a mess of it. So their executive functions haven't developed. But over time, 
um, as the brain develops, as they gain experience, they are able to take on responsibilities, but they're developmental. So you're not born with all your executive functions intact. It takes time to develop. Um, because of that, the executive functions can run into problems. So, um, and we might call these executive function deficits. Um, they can be negatively affected by developmental challenges. For example, ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, intellectual disabilities. Those developmental disorders can affect our executive functions. And they don't necessarily help us in the ways that we would expect them to. Um, another way that executive functions can be negatively affected is through trauma. So if you've had several concussions, there's damage to the brain, especially if it's the prefrontal cortex, and then that can affect your executive functions. Um, you can have degenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's that can also affect the executive functions. Uh, the last category uh, would be more in line with um, specific learning disabilities. So if you have dyscalculia, which is trouble with math, dyslexia, trouble reading, um, slow processing speed, low working memory, those conditions can also affect the executive functions. Uh, we might even add things like depression, anxiety. Those can also affect the ability of this part of your brain from serving us in the way that we want to be served. Um, I'm going to pause there before I kind of list some of the executive functions to see if you have any questions or kind of response to that. Yes. Well, it's fascinating because there are so many things that impact the executive functions. Yes. So thank you for breaking that down. One thing I'm wondering is since executive functions are developmental, is there ever an age where we stop developing them? I would argue that um, like many things in life, um, there's a curve. So early in life, you know, they're developing and they're, let's say, inefficient because they're developing. Um, I would say in the early 20s, we start to have some of our best sets of executive function skills, really depending on all the things we've talked about. Um, but then later in age, they start to diminish again. Uh, you can think of people who have memory issues can't remember, you know, where they put their keys. So the executive functions start to, just as the brain gets older and becomes less efficient, you know, executive functions follow. And you mentioned that trauma can affect them. So you talked about concussions. So that's physical trauma. Mm -hmm. Can emotional trauma affect them? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I would say because, um, you know, anxiety, depression, you know, um, um, emotional trauma from experiences, because I think the main idea here is the executive functions are part of the neural network. So they're not just kind of apart from other brain functions and they sit there, they're connected to the other brain functions. So if you have a generalized anxiety disorder, that is going to impact the executive functions because the neural networks are connected to the sources of anxiety. Right, right. Yeah, and we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to some examples and strategies where all these things can kind of come together. Okay. And I would love for you to explain what some of the functions are, the executive functions, and, and specifically, what do those look like in the workplace? Sure, sure. You know, as, we, as I talk about it, I think it'll become pretty clear that they are very impactful, both personally and professionally, and the workplace. Um, one... I like to identify as emotional control. So the ability to understand our emotions, express them appropriately, um, and to not enable them to decrease our productivity or, or our social engagement. Um, <clears throat> organization, the ability to organize things spatially, Keep a desk clean, know where things are um, in your file cabinet or uh, in your computer files. Um, the ability to take disparate things, whether it's disparate people or disparate tasks, and kind of put them into a whole so that 
one can use them effectively. Uh, planning, the ability to sequence things in your mind or on paper where you see various steps. So I need to do this and this and this and this in order to achieve that. Um, impulsivity, sort of acting before thinking. So I, I, so those, then a, a last one I think I should mention is um, the perception of time. Uh, there is a thing that some call time blindness. So a person has no ability, intuitive ability to track the passage of time. Um, you can, uh, you know, I see this often when, um, let's say a lawyer um, has to do some research for a case. Um, and, you know, the clients I work with typically are very smart. They've gone to great law schools, you know, the great analysis and research skills but they have to research a particular case and they have an idea from the case and they want to research it. Three hours later, <laughs> they realize they haven't been working on their case, but they've been following these interesting intellectual twists and turns and Supreme Court decisions and, you know, law journal articles, right? But they didn't, their, their body didn't say, hey, you know what, you've been at this 20 minutes, let's get back. It's three hours when they realize that right so there's the tracking time is a challenge um also uh knowing how long things take like no perception that even though i may have been at a job for five years if you ask how long does it take you to get to work i mean they just don't hold that information in their mind or you know how long does it take you to do a profit and loss report typically they're like, I, I, I have no idea. And there are different reasons for that. But that, so I would add uh, that sense of time. So I think that's a good general overview of kind of the basic ones. Really, this is. And as you're saying this, I'm thinking about when my clients come to me, they present with all of this yes. at a given time, or they, they've either been given feedback that they have these challenges, mm -hmm. or they themselves know that this is a problem. And I'm wondering, where do you draw the line between someone who uses an executive coach to help them with these problems versus someone who needs someone like you to delve deeper? Because there are times when someone comes to me and they want help with time management because they don't plan well, they don't track their tasks well. And I can coach them on some strategies and they go off and they're just fine. They create these new habits and they're fine. Yes. Other people just cannot grasp that and they, they aren't doing well in the coaching I provide. How, how would someone like me know to refer them to someone like you? <laughs> <laughs> um, when they're not able to strategize to implement your strategies. Mm. Okay. Right. Um, I have people who will come to me saying, I would like to learn how to use a calendar. Now, intellectually, <laughs> they know how to use a calendar, right? They know how to put an event on their calendar. What they don't know how to do is orient themselves in the world to rely on that calendar, to look at the calendar daily, and to know when to put things on the calendar, right? So, so again, you might say, here's a great calendar system for your, your, your industry, your space, the way you think. But if they can't access that calendar because of poor executive functions, they're going to come back week after week with a mm -hmm. blank calendar. So that's kind of how you can... <laughs> right. No, that's really helpful helpful for me and hopefully for other coaches out there also mm -hmm. who are working with people with possible executive functions, challenges, or, or deficits. And I see how it impacts them at work when yeah. they have these issues. What are you seeing when they come to you? Like what point are they at in their performance, in their role at work when they come to you? Um, they can be in various places depending. And then I just add a little bit more about executive functions. They are contextual. 
And I often see a pretty significant divide between people who are very successful in the context of school, but struggle in the context of the workplace and vice versa. So we might have someone who went to get a PhD, school works for them, really successful. They love it. Then they go and they work in their field and they really can't get anything done. They, they get overwhelmed. They can't prioritize, really difficult to organize themselves. But in school, they were the, the bright shining star. Or someone who, you know, they failed out of one college, got into another college, struggling there, but they've opened up three businesses <laughs> in the meantime, right? So school is hard for them, but they are going to excel in the workplace because they are able to organize, you know, so it's interesting. So oftentimes, to answer your question, a person could be transitioning from school to profession, and that's when they noticed that they can't really get things done. Um, another person could be experiencing the Peter principle, you know, being promoted to your next level of incompetence, where they're the best coder, you know, program language coder in the company. And then someone says, let's make you the supervisor over other programmers. And they say, I don't know how to supervise people. I know how to program. Right. So they may come to me when they realize that they're not able to rise to that next level. Um, other times is when someone actually notices that they're, they're just, it, everything is too hard. They can get things done, but it's too hard. They're getting a little older. They might have responsibilities at home and they just can't work the way they've been working and they need some help. We are here with Dr. Clarence Perkins talking about executive functions and how those challenges can impact workplace productivity and people in the workplace. We're going to pause here for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about some strategies out there for people with executive functions challenges. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Are you ready to unlock your full potential as a leader? Look no further than MD Consulting. Monique Daniel, executive coach, best-selling author, and captivating public speaker, is here to guide you towards transformational success. With a global reach, Monique empowers executive leaders and HR professionals through engaging presentations at conferences, team-building activities, and industry gatherings. Monique's mission is clear, to revolutionize workplace behavior. She achieves this not only by coaching a diverse clientele, but also by educating corporate leaders through both virtual and in-person events. Well, thank you so much for being here to help us understand. As a recognized subject matter expert, Monique delves into crucial topics, such as psychological safety, onboarding strategies, effective training methods, and mastering time management skills. Now for a great topic that we're going to delve into. Ready to learn more? Request Monique's Speaker One Sheet or secure her for an engaging speaking engagement by sending an email to monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Don't miss this opportunity to elevate your leadership journey with Monique Daniel and MD Consulting. Unleash your potential today. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com or email monique at mdconsultingglobal.com to take the next step towards transformative leadership. MD Consulting, where success begins. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Clarence Perkins. Dr. Perkins is an executive function ADHD coach who helps individuals be more productive We've been talking about how executive functions challenges can impact people at work. So now we're going to delve into some strategies out there for people with executive functions challenges. 
So Clarence, tell us a little bit about some of the strategies that you use to help people when they come to you with these kinds of um, deficits. Sure. As I mentioned in, in the first segment, one role I have as distinct from your role is helping people to have a strategy to access strategies. And in many ways, people, you know, again, the people I work with are very smart, high motivation. They've read all the books. They've tried every different type of um, computer app, phone app, planner, and they still aren't able to be successful. So that's when I know they need a strategy in order to do some strategy. So I'm going to start there with some kind of overview of how to break through these problems and start to use strategies well. Um, the first is it's really important that people understand that they may have an executive function challenge that is at the neurological level. It's not just that they're lazy. It's not just that they're incompetent, but they actually, their brain may actually be a bit different and they, and that should be recognized. Um, that should help them move away from a shame response to their performance, as well as a need to hide their, their challenges from other people. So that's really the first step in addressing executive function challenges. Just saying, I have these, not kind of my fault, but they're my responsibility. Um, you then can start to use the resources around you. And that, that will be key. And often someone without executive functions, if they know they're a poor planner, you know, they'll reach out to their team to get support in planning. If they really have a hard time navigating their calendar and they have an assistant, they'll let the assistant know. You know, I'm not really good with my calendar. I need your help. But someone with executive function challenges, they're too ashamed to go to a person and say, hey, you know what? I have challenge with calendars. Can you help me? So you, the strategy to be strategic means you've got to get over that. You have to engage with people who can help you because no one is really perfect, right? We all need a community, but people with executive, executive function challenges sometimes don't know how to use that community. Um, the next thing, um, they have to be able to know when to use the strategy. And that can be one of the hardest things. Um, the example I like to use is the password strategy. And I'm old enough to have lived a lot of my life without needing passwords. And then I had to learn how to manage passwords. <laughs> right? So I, I think a lot of people will identify with this. So at first, um, I, I would open up program, it said, you know, type in a password. And I would think of a password, it would be something really unique to my life, name of a pet, you know, birthday, kids, this, this and that and t'other. And it would seem so clear to me that I, obviously, I will remember this password because of all this meaning I put into it. And then a week later, I've got to access that site. And I'm like, what is that password? I had, right, I didn't know how my memory would be affected by that password when I set it at first. So I needed a strategy of open up your password manager <laughs> as you have the screen in front of you, type in the password in your password manager, type it into the program and you're good. So th that is an example of kind of knowing when to do something. Um, I often find people want to use a calendar, but they actually they can hear a date, you know, you know, a significant other might say, we're going to have our daughter's birthday party at three o'clock on Saturday. And you say to yourself, oh my God, that's my daughter's birthday. Why would I forget my daughter's birthday? Of course, I'm going to remember my daughter's birthday. And then you're on the ninth hole at 315 and you get a call from your significant other saying, where are you? Right? So... <laughs> It's knowing that you're going to forget, so be remind, be mindful of writing it down right away. So those are the strategies that help with the strategy. When you're sitting in a meeting and you hear dates and times, write them down. Don't think that you'll remember them, right? Because often that's what causes people with 
executive function challenges to miss things, they don't have those strategies to support a strategy. If you're in a meeting, um, why not designate someone to put all the dates and times in the minutes? So then at the end of the meeting, you get a list of dates and times to put in your calendar, right? So there are, if you're comfortable with your challenges and you're willing to resource them and you're willing to say, I can't remember when I hear a date that I have to write it down, you know, spread the wealth. Other people probably can't remember as well, you know, have, have them in the minutes. Um, another strategy for the strategy, um, many bosses or supervisors do what I call drive-bys. They might walk by your office and say, hey, can you do X, Y, and Z for me? And you say, sure, and they keep going. And then you keep working. You didn't write down what your, what <laughs> your boss just asked you to do. Your boss didn't give you a deadline for when you need to get it done. So you may not remember until the boss says, hey, do you have that for me? And you're like, yes, I do. I'll be right there. And then, you know, you spend the whole night pulling an all-nighter, trying to get caught up, right? So, again, use your resource, your boss. Hey, boss, can make sure I write down when you ask me to do something, if you don't mind. And then, you know, I'd like to have a date when you need that by, just so that I can be ready for you, right? So, those are the, some of the strategies that can help with the strategy. Um, so, we can look at kind of specific challenges and we can look for strategizing generally within those challenges. So let's, I'd like to focus on time management, task management, and social cognition. Um, they kind of go together in the workplace, but we're going to individualize them just to talk. So time management. Um, Nowadays, people do not have enough time pieces around, right? Um, if you are time blind, I recommend having a, a clock on a wall in every room to include your bathroom. I can't tell you how many people totally lose track of time when that hot water is pouring over their body. They're <laughs> just in heaven and the time is clicking away, <laughs> right? And they're late all the time because... They're, they're in the moment of the, the shower. Um, put up one of those waterproof clocks in front of you. Say to yourself, I've got to get out of the shower by 7.15. Be out of the shower by 7.15. Um, you know, partner with people about time. Um, if you're running a meeting and you're the time blind one, people will be frustrated over time that the meetings never end. <laughs> you know, have different duties you know, have someone monitor time. This part of the agenda will do 30 minutes. That part of the agenda, have the person say time, right? Use, you know, your resources around you. Um, another activity that can be really interesting is um, to use a smartwatch or even a cell phone and have use an iterative timer. So every 10 minutes, for let's say for an hour, have the alarm go off just so that you can uh, you can track what it feels like to to be in 10 minute segments um i i i i i set that for a medical professional i work with and you know she's very smart very attuned to kind of body stuff and she said sometimes the 10 minutes were felt like 15 minutes sometimes the 10 minutes felt like 2 hours she said so i had no perception of when when that alarm went off I, I had no sense, right? And that's a good activity. And when you have to sit and do a time-bound exercise uh, or task, you know, I need an, an hour to stay focused on this report. Put the, you know, the timer on to alarm every 10 minutes for the hour. And, if, and you ask yourself every time the alarm goes off, am I on task? And you might find yourself in the middle of a Google document or on TikTok or Instagram, and then you can refocus back and you only lose 10 minutes instead of three hours. Um, time management also is connected to sequencing. So if you have a morning routine that gets you out of the door on time to be punctual at work, 
you should probably write down that routine and put it in key places in your home, right? Um, I work with clients who, when they wake up in the morning because of impulsivity, they may have given themselves themselves enough time to make coffee and grab a donut, but they feel hungry. So they decide to make pancakes, fry some bacon, make a nice omelet, but they're not tracking how much time they're losing from their original plan. They just are hungry and they impulsively decided to have a big breakfast. They look up and they're 15 minutes late to get out the door, <laughs> right? So write down your plan so that you can say to yourself, it's, uh, I may be hungry, but it's coffee and a donut today because that's what I planned for. That's how much time I have for. Um, many people I work with do not think of start times and deadlines. So if they're very independent and they come up with their own work, they have to produce some work. They just think of getting the job done. They don't say to themselves, I probably need to get this done by Thursday because I have other things to do. Um, I should start on Monday. So one of the things we do together is we make sure every project, every task has a start time, an estimated time to complete, and a due date. Task management. So tasks can be feel overwhelming to people. Um, so let me go through some of the challenges I experienced there. Um, there are individuals who, if a supervisor presents them with a project or a task, they can actually resist wanting to do that task. Even if it's their career, even if it's their specific job, it's a transition and they, and they struggle with some anxiety in a transition. So asking them to do something is a transition and they get stuck and they may avoid doing that task until the last minute where they're, the fear of being fired or being reprimanded is stronger than the anxiety of the transition, but they only started at the last minute. And this would be someone who has done this for 15 years and they're getting older, they have kids and they're tired of pulling all-nighters like this. So they'll call an executive function coach, right? Um, uh, some people replay past failures with tasks and they get anxious because they feel they're going to fail and then it's hard for them to get started. Um, other people struggle to conceptualize visually, spatially, how long it will take to get the task done. Sometimes they struggle to understand how to make subtasks, how to prioritize what to do first, second, or third. Um, they struggle with delegating. And that can be a real challenge because they delegate at the last minute and everyone's upset because you've known about this project for two weeks. <laughs> the day before it's due, you're telling me you need help. Now I have to write, why didn't you tell me two weeks ago? Um, so one of the things that, they can do is often on a spreadsheet or have a, a Kanban or a flowchart where they explicitly have to kind of fill in the blanks. This is when I'll start. This is These are the subtasks. This is the estimated time for each subtask. This is who I need to help me with this project, delegation. This is the due date. You know, so following a template pulls them out of some of these emotions, some of these executive function challenges, enables them to kind of put it out on paper. And if they put reminders and the like, then they can start to be better task managers. Uh, the, the last is uh, social cognition. So this is the ability to have an intuitive sense of what other people think, feel, and believe because it's really difficult to work with or even lead a team if you if they're all a bunch of black boxes. And you're like, I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder if they'll like, right? If you have no idea, right? Um, so the strategy I think that should be entailed is create some templates. If you're having a, a large meeting, um, half an hour before that meeting, just go through and imagine what each of the individuals in the meeting may be experiencing. Right. You heard that one person, you know, their budget just got cut. Okay. They're probably not happy. They're struggling with the budget. 
another person just had a baby, right? Just take, because you can do it, just got to take time and say, okay, I know what, what headspace all of these people are in. So when you walk into the meeting, you actually can read the room a little bit better. Some people don't know to do that. They don't do it intuitively. And so they're always flat-footed in meetings. They're, they're not aware of what people are thinking or feeling. Another strategy is have some key people to check in on. So how are people feeling about the, um, the new boss? How are people feeling about this change in policy? Just have some key people who can confidentially kind of help you tap into the culture that you struggle to, to tap into. Um, back to the template, you know, when you have a one-on-one meeting, you know, you might even write down like one-on-one meeting person has to say something to me that they, they want to do it alone. Keep confidence. Don't promise anything. Just listen. Right. So you're reminding yourself of social behavior that you want to have in that meeting. We are here with Dr. Clarence Perkins talking about ways that employers can support people with executive function challenges, various strategies that people can use when they have those challenges. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll hear about some of the laws that apply to these situations. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, Executive Coach Monique Dagneau provides executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. If you've tuned in a little late, we're talking to Dr. Clarence Perkins about executive functions and how these challenges can impact workplace performance. Clarence, you had mentioned earlier that there's a lot of shame involved when people know they have these challenges. And I see that also when they come to coaching. So I'm wondering how can people with these deficits be better advocates for themselves in the workplace? Sure. Um, Great question. Um, I'm going to start with knowledge is power. So if you know you have executive function deficits rather than just feeling like you're incompetent, that's a foundation for self-advocacy. My recommendation is if you feel that you are challenged in this way, uh, there are executive function tests that a psychologist, psychiatrist, or uh, neuropsychologist can give you to help determine whether these are challenges that you have. So if you're really struggling and you really want to know, that's where I would start because that's sort of objective information that says you're a good person. You just, your brain just happens to work in these ways. And you will get a nice conversation with the person about them because they'll learn a lot about you. Um, and you'll get some resources for how to help yourself. And I find that to be 
a relief to a lot of people that they're not broken in some odd way, but they actually have a condition that, you know, many people have. I mean, I don't think anyone has perfect executive functions, right? No one has a perfect brain. Uh, too many things, and that's what makes us all unique. Um, but just understanding, having that information is the strongest foundation for self-advocacy. And I do try to recommend to people who are comfortable with it that they get some testing. And many times in the workplace, when these deficits show up, a person can be put on a performance improvement plan or a PIP. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And sometimes even terminated because they just can't really meet the expectations of the role. What are some of the things that employers can do to avoid this? And, and what are some of the laws that are out there related to this? Right. The, the, well, let's start. So we're kind of talking about the accommodation process, right? So um, the Americans with Disabilities Act um, does require all places of public access, except a private club or religious institution to offer reasonable accommodations, right? So that's a loaded legal term, reasonable <laughs> accommodations. So they don't have to give you everything you want, but they have to give you what's reasonable, right? So it's important to know you can't just get whatever you want. They have to be reasonable related to um, the organization. So if you are an employer, what I would recommend is, one, you should have a statement of accommodations in your employee handbook. So people will understand, everyone, what you consider to be, you know, a reasonable process and reasonable accommodations. Um, it's really important that you pass, you know, that documentation by HR and legal counsel. Um, but it should be the thing that guides a supervisor as well as an employee for what to do if their performance is related to executive function deficits um, or another type of deficit. So have that. And if you're an employer, um, make sure you've read that. Make, I would actually um, check in with um, legal counsel before you approach a person. Um, I don't think it's a requirement that if you're approaching a person and you want to accommodate them, I don't think you have to ask them to get tested. I don't think you have to even mention a disability. I think you can simply say, how can we help you? Here are the things that aren't working. How can we help you? And you can just document how we're helping you, and those can be accommodations, right? Um, if you're an employee, go to that handbook. <laughs> Make sure you read it. Um, I would consult with HR and, and on a confidential basis about, you know, what your your thoughts are. But as an employee, you probably should be armed with some type of documentation from a psychologist, neurologist, or psychiatrist uh, documenting your disability, so that 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 makes the process pretty smooth. Um, and then, you know, you engage your supervisor in HR. Um, with what would be in a reason, what would be reasonable accommodations. So um, I try to make sure that both sides kind of have the they're working off the same document. People understand what the process is. I think they, I think everyone can have more confidence in engaging in this if there's kind of a document that's guiding everyone. So I recommend that. Uh, let's talk about accommodations. Um, well, people often think of. Um, getting a standing desk <laughs> as an accommodation, um, you know, working part at home, part on the, you know, in the office site as an accommodation, right? Those are accommodations. But I think what typically helps someone with executive function deficits is more nuanced relational accommodations. So if you realize that, an employee struggles to prioritize your tasks, struggles to kind of make consistent progress and meet deadlines. An accommodation could be a, a meeting to prioritize. Um, it could be a weekly meeting to check in on the progress of tasks instead of just waiting for them to turn the task in. So that can be an accommodation as well. Um, the 
the supervisor can kind of take on a coaching role to support what they see are deficits. And they, those can be considered accommodations. Um, other things that a person might be able to ask for, um, technology is really helpful here. Um, you know, you can put it on all computers or a person can have it as an uh, individual accommodation to have website blockers. So this is the person says, I need to get, I need two hours to get X done. I turn on my website blocker. I can't get access to those websites I like to use to <laughs> explore and kind of get off track, right? You can provide employees with that if impulsivity is a challenge. Um, um, you can buy smartwatches where people can get vibration reminders for, you know, to manage time. Things like a standing desk, because some people, um, they be, they can more dysregulated if they have to sit for long periods of time, but a standing desk will enable them to move their legs a little bit more, help that part of the brain that needs movement. Um, so there are a broad range of things, but I think that most successful accommodations for an employee come out of the relationship with the supervisor and the supervisor's willingness to, to think a little differently about supporting this person and putting a little bit more effort, right? Having a 30-minute check-in meeting or 15-minute check-in meeting about the progress of a task that a person otherwise is one of your best, let's say, cognitive employees as far as knowledge. They just have a hard time with managing time. For most companies, it's worth it, that that 15 minutes to keep a good employee and help them manage time. So, I, But those can be considered accommodations, and, and I think it would be good to document them that you know these meetings are times that we are officially accommodating and supporting you. So if an employee is not a good advocate for themselves, and or they don't know or they don't seek education about what's happening to them and they are about ready to be put on a pip then and the employer i love that question that you said they could ask how can we help you that's a great question that puts the responsibility back on the employee to be an advocate for themselves yes but if the employer asks that question they really don't get any kind of response or a, a request for accommodations that employee is probably going to get put on a PIP because no one knows they have a deficit. If that employee is an advocate for themselves and the employer asks that really great question, and then the employee states, you know, that they need some help and some accommodation, how does that conversation really take place? Because it's, it's an uncomfortable conversation. Plus there's the shame factor. Plus there's an employer that, probably has no clue about executive functions. Right, right, right. So how does that, and I agree, you said it all kind of starts with that relationship and mm -hmm. the communication. How does that uncomfortable conversation even come about? Well, this is interesting because this is a role I have in some of the companies I work with that they will simply say, we would like to help you. We have this guy Dr. Clarence Perkins, he's a coach. Um, we'd like you to work with him confidentially, right? He doesn't report to us and talk about what you need. And then either we can all meet together or you and Clarence can come up with a document that outlines some of the things you would like to present to us as ways to support you. So that's a way to kind of use an outside ringer <laughs> to help with this conversation. Um, and so, so that's one way. Um, you know, again, I would, you know, some employers are willing to say, I think I know <laughs> what you struggle with. I want to support you. You probably are too embarrassed, but I, I'd like you to get some testing, right? Again, I would Talk to counsel before you had that conversation, right? Because there, there are a lot of pitfalls in it. But some employers just want to help, and they're they're willing to kind of push that envelope to say, look, look, let's just break through whatever's going on, and let's just be honest and work together. Some employees really are uncomfortable by that. Some are for some, it's a 
it's a relief, right? But it really depends on the relationship. So you got to really watch that. But I've seen that happen as well. And how can our listeners find you? Because you do this great work. Do you do it all virtually and with clients from across the United States? Uh, across the world, actually. I've, I've worked oh. with people in Egypt, Turkey. <laughs> um, you can go to drclarenceperkins.com, and that's my website. Um, I do, you can either text me, my number is there. You can fill out a form that, where it gives me a little bit more information about you. Um, I have people who just use the email and they email me. We'll start with a free 30-minute consultation. And that's where I get to know you and give you some ideas of how our work together might go. Um, and then you can sign up for um, coaching. Um, one of the things I do, um, I don't require people to buy a package. Um, I will meet and I bill at the end of the month, um, uh, almost like a therapist would do. And so we get going. Um, I, I I like to say that I'm brain first. So I'm not going to have this calendar or that note-taking system or that app that I'm going to present to you. First, I'm going to get to know your brain. I'm going to see how your brain likes to organize itself, how it likes to organize time, space, and then work together to find a tool or strategy that matches your brain. So I call it brain first coaching. Well, it's definitely great work that you're doing. And there's such a need for that out there. I am so happy that you could be here today to inform our listeners. And you said drclarenceperkins.com is your website, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. You have been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. Dr. Clarence Perkins, thank you so much for being here today. And I invite all of our listeners to jump over to my website at mdconsultingglobal.com. And there you can sign up for my blog that comes out a couple times a month. You can connect with me on social media. And I also have a resource page with a lot of information for leaders that you can download. And you can also get to these past episodes of this show from that website. So please tune in again next week. And until then, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.